Y'all can be seated. Today we're going to be in Genesis 37 as we're tracking through the, the series called Plan B and talking about Joseph's life. But before we get there, I wanted to uh, share you a junior high story. This is always good. Um, I remember whenever I was a, a child and I remember that in the house that we lived in, that my bedroom and my brother's bedroom were upstairs, which was awesome. It was like a, a haven of testosterone in the junior high years. That like the parents never went up to the bathroom, which basically got cleaned once, and that was probably like right after we moved out. And, but, uh, but it was our zone, you know, that's, that's, it rocked. I mean, it was amazing. Um, and we had our posters and all that stuff. And I remember vividly that in the hallway of of our room upstairs, there was, a, there was a whole door, basically a mirror the size of the full closet door. And I remember that it was, I could see all the way from my feet all the way to my head. And one thing that, that I remember vividly is, is I would go to junior high, you know, in junior high, and I would go to school, and I didn't have necessarily the cool clothes. I wore like rustlers, if you know what that is. Anybody who wore rustlers remembers because it left a mark in their life. But I remember wearing rustlers. And I remember that that was back in the day when we used to roll our jeans up. But I didn't have necessarily the cool jeans that would be rolled up. Mine were actually kind of like boot cut. So when you roll it up and they were a little bit long, because I'm a little bit short, that they would be a little, bit, a little bit too long that we would roll them up and I would try and be cool with my rustlers. I remember standing in front of this mirror and I was pulling my pant legs up like this and I'm trying to, trying to make it seem like, is this what I'm going to look like when I go? Because I was so concerned of what I look like to other people. But I remember standing in front of this mirror vividly. And I remember standing in front of this mirror and I would, if, if I got far enough back, I could be in, in the whole, the, like my whole body would be in the mirror and everything would look fine and I would check my hair. You know, I'm a junior high. I mean, I cared about hair back then. Although you would say you don't care, but you do. But I, I, I would check my hair and I was trying to make sure I was, I was looking good to go to school. But I, one thing I remember vividly as well is, is I would stand back from the mirror and I could see my whole body, but I didn't, it didn't look that clear to me. One thing that I, I, to my detriment, that I remember walking up close to the mirror and there was always that dreaded zit, right, in junior high. There was all, right? We've all been there. It's all right to laugh. It's true. We've all been there. But I remember that I, as I would stand back away from that mirror, I couldn't see a thing and it looked great. But yet, when I got a little bit closer to that mirror, it exposed a little bit deeper level of my imperfections. Just a little bit more. And kind of really showed who I really was. I mean, from afar, we can, I mean, to me, I looked fine. But when I got up close, it really exposed who I really was. And that was the people, that was what people were actually going to see. I wasn't perfect, had imperfections, just like Joseph. Just like Joseph. We learned last week, and we're going to start in verse 5 here in just a second. But we've, if you remember from last week, we went through those four short verses, but we see that Joseph, his life was, he was, 
God was with him. We know that. We, we looked at the scriptures and I showed it on the screen. From Acts 7, 9, it says that God was with Joseph, but Joseph was not perfect. He was flawed. He had imperfections. And so many times in his life, now we can sit back on the scriptures and, and which we'll do a little bit of this again today. We'll look back and we can see his imperfections. From afar, it didn't look like when we just glossed over the scripture from afar, it wasn't that clear. But when we really look into the depths of his life and in the depths of these situations, we start to see his flaws. And we're going to start in verse 5, read through verse 11. This is what the scripture says. Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Remember that from last week? His brothers didn't like him. The favoritism that was happening in the home that was largely caused by the father. Verse 6, He said to them, Listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf, my sheaf, sheaf, excuse me, rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. And because he thought it was a great idea. Again, he thought he would share another dream. Verse 9. Then he had another dream. And who did he tell it to? His brothers. Genius. Listen, he said. I had another dream. And this time, the sun and the moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers. His father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him. But interestingly enough, but his father did what? He kept the matter in mind. The reason why it says, and the verbiage is different there, it says that, that the father kept the matter in mind is because he knew it was true. He kept the matter in mind. He didn't just let it roll off his shoulders. He couldn't. He knew that there was a special anointing over Joseph. And when it was said, he was trying to come to terms. Jacob was trying to come to terms with the dream that God had really given Joseph. And he says, his brothers were jealous of him, of course. But his father kept the matter in mind because he knew it was true. He didn't understand, but he knew it was true. One thing I, I hope that we can kind of glean from this text today is that this dream is fully from God. I mean, this is, this is a real dream. This is legit. This is, this is directly from God, and this is a real dream. This isn't something that Joseph concocted in his mind, and he was just trying to, to flaunt and be arrogant over his brothers and his family. God really gives him this dream. God was with Joseph at this time. Joseph is not perfect. His imperfections we will see, and we have seen. But yet, God is choosing to use Joseph in an amazing way. But the dream that he was given, it actually would be great news. It would be great news that he didn't fully understand, and we'll see over the next several weeks, of why the dream was such good news. But in this way, this dream that was birthed in Joseph was true. And it was of God. I think there's something... Incredible that happens at the birth of a dream. I think everyone who is a follower of Christ has a dream for their life. There is something that God wants to accomplish through you in your life. 
When He saved you, He didn't just save you just to seal you and secure you. He saved you so that you could go out and you could be a light into the dark places of your workplace and of your family and even people who are far from God that He would possibly be able to use you in a bigger way and in inviting you into the bigger story of which He's involved. I hope you believe that today because a dream for any believer, there's two different dreams. I would say that for us, we're all a part of the bigger dream that God would have for us to help redeem the world around us. Because God is in the process of redeeming all of those who have been called to salvation. Do you believe that this morning? And how God wants to use us, we don't even understand. We, we can't even fathom the depth of, of that understanding. But one thing we can do and one thing we should do is we should trust God. And to say it should challenge us the way that, that really the way that we live our life and the words that we say and the way that we love our family and the way that we speak to our neighbors and the way that we even honor our bosses at work and that we submit ourselves to their authority even though we don't fully agree because you're not serving man. Who are you serving? God. Everyone, I believe, that as a follower of Christ has this dream and we're invited into the bigger story of helping God redeem the world around us. If not, we wouldn't have the Great Commission. We wouldn't. Where he tells us to go out into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, into the uttermost parts of the world. That's our invitation into the bigger story. But then also, and I would say on a, even a, a more personal level, I think that God gives us dreams. If people who who are followers of Him, that God gives us dreams because as He reveals things in our life, He wants the best for us. Maybe the best, the, the thing that He's trying to work out in your life right now and a dream that He's given you is maybe it's, it's the idea of just going to college. Maybe it's just going to college. You think like that is just so far-fetched of an idea just to go to college. But maybe God's dream for you is saying, you know what? I want you to go to college, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to follow my plan and process and obey me and trust me and I will show you the light and direct you into that path, that dream that I've given you of going to college. Seems so minuscule. So many of us are, are very educated, but I have to tell you there are people in our midst who absolutely struggle and have no idea how they're going to go to college. There's other people in this group that we sit here and we, we have a dream of maybe reconciling a broken relationship for 10 years ago. And this dream for us, it's, if, you, if you listen to other people, they wouldn't understand, but if God has birthed that dream in you to reconcile a relationship that's been broken for all those years, He's done it for a reason. And He wants you to take the necessary, listen to me, He wants you to take the necessary steps to reconcile that relationship. You don't just... Follow God and do nothing. You don't just follow God and do nothing. Maybe for you it's, it's a profession. Maybe it's a certain job that you're just like, you know what, I, I, I'm doing something that I don't necessarily want to do and I think God's dream for me is in my, my calling is maybe into a certain profession. I want you to know if God has given you that dream, He's birthed the dream in you for a reason, seek Him Follow His ways. If you, if you follow God's ways and you seek wise counsel through the Word of God and you seek wise counsel through the people of God, people that you can trust, people that you know are in the Word, and you can, and you can trust them and you can listen to them, He will direct your path into finding what it is that you want as far as this dream that He's birthed in you. Everybody, I think we have a dream. I think this is... So many times as we kind of go through life, we just kind of put everything on back burner and we just kind of coast through life. You can't coast through life. 
The, the bigger story that God invites us in, in the birth of this dream, you may not even fully understand what that is for you right now. You may not. You, you may, in saying that, you may have had the thought just pop to your head and you say, you know what? I get it. That's what it is. I want, I want you to know, if you know what that dream is, trust God. Seek His wise counsel. Seek His wisdom. As the scripture says, trust in Him and He will make your path straight. He will make that path straight into accomplishing that dream that He's put in you. Whatever that dream may be. I know a lot of us, we, we get fooled into believing that, you know, that we have, maybe, that even with God has given us a dream, maybe the, the dream for you is something as is, is deeply personal as credit card debt. And you sit here and say, you know what, I am buried in debt, I've been buried in debt for the last 15 years, there is nothing I can do to get out of debt. I want to say that you're wrong, and for one, I want to say that God wants you to be out, He wants that dream of being out of the bondage of credit cards. He wants that dream for you to be reality. But the way that you're going to do it, it's going to ha- you're going to have to do some work. Yeah, you're going to have to do some work. You're going to have to do some budgeting. You're going to have to probably seek some wise counsel on how to do that. But if you trust God, if it's a dream that He's birthed in you, and He doesn't want you to be in credit card debt, if that is indeed the case, trust Him with the process. Trust Him with the process. He'll show you the way. He will. It's a dream that he has, I think, for every person. That God didn't just... He didn't... If you're of the, the saved of God and the redeemed of God right now, he didn't just save you for you. He didn't just save you so now we can go to church and now we can do this and now we can come smile when we come in here and we can sing songs to worship and glorify him, which are all amazing. But it's bigger than that. The story of God in your life, it transcends these walls. It transcends your car. It transcends your home. It's everywhere. It's how you talk to people. It's how you forgive people. It's how you love people. It's everywhere. It's, it's all the time. It's when you go to the restaurant and, and you're, you're debating on, you have bad service at the restaurant. You don't know what happened to the, to the waiter or waitress ahead of time, but it's when you go up and you go to a restaurant and you have bad service and that you follow God and you drop down a 15% gratuity instead of trying to short them a dollar and saying, you know what, I'm going to prove a point. You didn't serve me well today, so I'm going to stick you with a dollar. It's saying, you know what, I need to follow God even in this because I don't know what the life circumstances that's surrounding this waiter or waitress, but I know if I trust God that maybe you want to put down something that they, did, that they even don't deserve and you give them grace, just like you've received grace. That if God, and if you believe that God's given you a dream, why, why do you think he's given you that dream? It has to be bigger than us. I'm reminded of the scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11. And it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. It says, Plans to do what? To prosper you and, to, and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. You see, this is kind of a, a really cool scripture and I think this is not just in Jeremiah was a prophet and this originally was written, the audience was to, the, to exiles going into Babylon, that this was a promise of God unto his people, but I think it's absolutely true today. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. 
Even though we do foolish things, His love never fails, as we sang a couple minutes ago. Even though that we don't always seek Him, He is seeking out the best in us. His plans for us are for the betterment of us. It doesn't mean that we can just sit back on our heels and just say, God, here, you take control. Sometimes in the process, when, God, when we just say, God, take control, He wants us to take necessary steps to get there. But it's true. What's your dream this morning? What is it that God has, has put in your life? What is the dream that He has, has birthed in you that only you can accomplish? Because when God gives a dream, it's usually to fix a problem. And the problem that I see with a lot, of, a lot of Scripture is that when God births a dream in a person, it's usually to A, correct a problem, absolutely. But it's also because He not only wants to do something in you, He wants to do something through you. What is it that He wants to do in you today? What is the dream that He wants to do in you and He wants to live out through you this morning? Several years ago, actually, it was March 13, 2004. I alluded to this last week. Something incredible happened for us, us being the Zooks. And what happened to us, God had kind of shown us several different things and through some events of our life. But never did this scripture really really come to life for me. And I heard, we had, I had heard this scripture. This is a very common thing that you see in devotionals, on t-shirts, Christian literature. doesn't mean that it's not true. It is true. But one thing that I really started to grasp, this scripture, when God was doing this work in my life. And I wrote this on March 13, 2004. It's really weird that I, like, I wrote like my name. It's almost, it's weird, but I'm going to read it anyway. It says, Chad N. Zook was called to full-time ministry on March 11th, 2004. Chad surrendered that day. Marla J. Zook surrendered herself and declaring herself committed to her husband's calling on March 13th, 2004. I shared with you last week about when I had lost my job and, you know, the whole thing, y'all laughed at me, which I'm still a little bit upset about. Um, <laughs> forgiveness is a process, and I'm in the process. But talking about as, as I left work and I was, I, was, I, I was in tears, but yet I went into laughter on my way home. One thing I didn't know then is that a couple years down the line that God would do this. And... Part of also what I wrote on that day was, this book was instrumental in allowing me to see what God was doing around me. Not to me, what God was doing around me. And, it's, and I wrote, because of that, my eyes were open to God's ultimate calling and plan in my life. And then I said, and I hope that you'd be able to say this as well, I surrender my all for you. I had been going through this book with the leadership team in a church in Illinois. And I mean, I was, I'll be honest with you. I was kind of coasting. I was on leadership team. I was kind of coasting through life. I, I was praying. I was doing devotionals. That, I was reading my Bible, those kinds of things. 
but not to toot my own horn, but I'm just saying I was in the Word at the time. But I remember, I was just, but I was still kind of coasting. It was kind of like meeting to meeting. We met once a month, and we'd have our meeting at, you know, 4.30, and I was in choir practice, and, you know, um, all of these things, and I was busy, 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 but I was coasting. And God would use what was really a painful read for much of the other people who were going through this with me, and they really did not like this book at all. But I went through, and this book is called The Dream Giver, and I went through and I read this book, and God used this book, and He was instrumental in sharing with me that God's dream for me was so much bigger than job loss, bigger than my family, bigger than my marriage. I had, a, I had no idea what that meant at the time, I had no idea that it was going to lead me away from my family. I had no idea that it was going to lead me to pastor a church. I had no clue. One thing I did know, God gave me a dream. And it was from Him. It wasn't from the author. It wasn't because it was written creatively. It was because God gave me a dream because He knew there was something in this world that He was going to use me to accomplish. And I think part of that dream is me standing on this stage here today. But I think the same is for you. That there's a dream that he's birthed in you that's bigger than you. It's bigger than being godly parents. It is. It's bigger than, than just being the spouse that he's called you to be. It's bigger than that. It's into the bigger story of God redeeming the world. Joseph... At, his, at this point in his life, he has no idea what, what all of this means. It had to have been exciting for him that he kind of jumps in, kind of headlong, into this process, and he doesn't really, he doesn't get it, and all he knows is that he is so bursting with this dream that God's given him that he wants to share it to people. And he does so really errantly, which we'll get in a minute. But I want to unpack this for you. Go to verse 6. He said to them, this is Joseph, he said to them, listen to this dream I had. And he's excited. And he says, we were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. So he's excited. He has this dream. He recognizes it's from God. He doesn't exactly know what it means, but he's excited about it. But then as it continues... We see that this, we, we kind of see the events of this dream. And he says, his brothers, excuse me, said to him, he says, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, because they weren't listening already, and he couldn't, it was like, obviously he wasn't really, uh, he wasn't receiving what they were putting out. What they were putting out is, I'm really angry with you. You don't really need to tell me anymore right now, because all you're doing is just adding fuel to the fire. I mean, when you, add, when you add gasoline to a fire, right, it makes it more exciting, but also it could explode in your face, right? So that's kind of what he's doing here. He says, listen. 
says, I had another dream, and this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. But what this means is the sun is a representative of his father, the moon is a representative of his mother, and the 11 stars are his 11 brothers. So this is, this is the first dream is not really that clear. The second dream is explicitly clear on what's happening, and Joseph is starting to gather as to what this dream means. He says, this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars are bowing down to me, which basically is saying, my family is bowing down to me. Not anyone else. This is his family at this point. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Well, your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you. His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. One thing that, that I really hope that you see today is there are three different elements of which he failed. The first area that he felt, the dream was fully from God and it was absolutely, he recognized it was from God and once his brother was communicating, or excuse me, his father was communicating these things to him, he recognized that it was solid and that it was for real. But the way that he presented the dream to other people on three different levels was wrong. First one was, it was the wrong time. It was absolutely the wrong time. He had to have waited. This dream came into him and he just thrust the information out and he just thrust the information out. He probably at this moment, and he was young, he was probably in this moment thinking, awesome, that God is just going to do this in me. This is going to be an amazing thing. This is my dream. God's going to accomplish it. It's going to be wonderful. But he told it at the wrong time. The relationships within his family that he spoke that dream into was harbored with bitterness and hatred and jealousy. They hated him. His brothers hated him. That's what Scripture says. They hated him. He told it at the wrong time. I think so many times in our life, we, we tend to do the same thing. But we will go and God gives us a dream of something. He gives us a dream of something. And yet we think, just as I did whenever I surrendered my life to ministry, I thought it was going to happen like the next month, and I was like, God, this is awesome. Here, I, I got this promise from you. This is, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Take me. I'm ready. Let's, whatever this means, God, show me the way. I'm ready. The timing for me, I thought I was ready. I was not even close to being ready. All he did was, he says, I've given you a dream, and I want you to sit on it for a while. The timing of the dream sometimes takes seems like it, it takes forever sometimes it's instantaneous sometimes it's it's a 15 year process but i want to tell you just one thing to strip all that away for a second lean into this a little bit here this is the truth if you seek god like i mentioned earlier the timing of which you accomplish the dream will most likely be shorter if you seek him because if you do it your way you're going to take and you're going to basically have a big long life diversion before you can ever think about accomplishing that dream that he's put before you does that make sense because you can't, it's not Burger King, right? You can't like have it your way all the time. You've got to have it God's way. As we trust in Him and we lean into that understanding. This says, what does it say in Proverbs? It says, trust God and lean not on our own understanding, right? But if, if we lean into God, if we do it our way, all that's going to happen is we're going to get impatient, we're going to doubt, we're going to fear, and we're going to worry 
But who brought those things on themselves? We did. We did. If God has given you a dream, the timing, you may be in the middle of that right now. You may be in, a, in, the, in year five of a 10-year plan that God's planned for you. I just want you to know, if He has given you a dream today of something that He wants you to do in your life, whether it's maybe, maybe for you, maybe it's just going to a foreign mission field, which you've never done. And yet, you just... You've always wanted to do it and you just wanted to see a different way of people live and you wanted to share the gospel in, in, a, in a foreign place. I want you to know that please don't let that dream die. If God put that dream in you, He, he wants to see it come to fulfillment. But you've got to trust Him. You've got to follow His ways. You can't always do it your way. The timing has to be absolutely perfect. Some of you probably think like the time is already gone. Like, you know what? That, season, that was a season in my life and it's over. As long as you're taking a breath and as long as God is on the throne, which He'll be there forever, as long as those two things happen, it's not too late. It's not too late. My desire is that, that you would have hope this morning and knowing that God has invited you into something bigger than yourself. That it's bigger than this church. It's bigger than your relationships right now. But we have a responsibility. But the danger in all of this, and I said a minute ago, the danger, and the dangerous part of, of following a dream that God's given us is the longer it takes, the harder it is for us to realize what could be, what should be, and what needs to be done in our life. The longer it takes, because then we have to rely on our own patience. And then we start to have those doubts. And we say, well, God, you really didn't give me that vision. Because if, if you would have given, if that obviously was from me, because if that vision was from you, then, then right now uh, I wouldn't be feeling this way. So we start to, to doubt. We start to worry and think, well, there's no way that this could possibly happen. And we start to worry. We start to doubt. And then we start to have fear. And the reason why we have fear is because we're actually backing ourselves away from God when God wants us to, to cling to Him and be close to Him. And part of this I call is the, the Barry Bonds syndrome, right? I know we have a San Francisco Giants fan in here, but I'm not, so I'm going to say it. Go Cardinals. Um, I will later. Um, I call this the Barry Bonds syndrome, or Barry Bonds syndrome. And it's on the screen. We start thinking highly of our own gifts and our talents that we lose sight of reality. And the reality is that our weaknesses and our sins will catch up with us and we will be held accountable. You can take that to the bank. And if you know anything about Barry Bonds, if you agree or disagree, it really doesn't matter. But... That individual, he relied on his gifts and he was incredibly talented. He was a great hitter. But yet, he had some other things that he was hiding away from Major League Baseball, which then was actually enabling him to do a little bit better than what he could have done naturally. Am I walking the line here? I'm good, right? Right? So, moving on. But he's incredibly talented that he, he started to lose sight of reality. And then he was actually, he started to think he was bigger than his team which if you talk to people who were on his team, 
this was true. And then he started to think he was bigger than baseball, and then he was actually started to be bigger than the Supreme Court, all of which would have a detrimental trickle-down effect on his life because he started to think too highly of his own talents and things that were going around him that he lost sight of reality. And the reality is that the same for him, that our weaknesses and sins will catch up with us and we will be held accountable to it. Our sins, our disobedience, they're not done in a vacuum. God is well aware. Even though we're talented, even though we have gifts, as he does, you may be ready to do some things as part of the dream that God's given you. You may be ready to do some things. And you may fool yourself into thinking you're more ready than what you think you are and that God's given you a talent along the way to accomplish that dream. But I want you to know, if the dream is not coming to fruition yet, it's because you're not ready yet. Don't be fooled into thinking that you're more talented and that you, you basically have it all together because our weaknesses will catch up with us and we will we'll be held accountable and we will not be able to do exactly what it is that God wants for us. Then also, the second thing that you see, not only was the timing wrong, he told the wrong people. Is this not obvious to you? He told the wrong people. He tells people that are actually angry with him. He tells his own family, people, that it wasn't... You see, one thing that's incredible about this, the the message that Joseph got in this dream, it really was so much bigger than his family, but he didn't know it at the time. So when he gets this dream, it's directly in conflict with his, with his family, with his mom, with his dad, and with his brothers. His brothers already had animosity toward him. He absolutely told the wrong people. So are they going to be happy? No. It says in the scripture that they hated him all the more. I want to tell you, if there is something that God wants to accomplish through you, or something that God has given you, like a dream in your life, maybe for you, maybe it's, it's actually something that you brought on yourself that God wants to redeem in your life. Maybe it's credit card debt. Maybe it's a broken relationship. Maybe it's not. But whatever those things are, I want you to know that God doesn't want you to sit and wallow in that. He wants to redeem that also. But in the process of accomplishing that dream, please tell the right people. Because if you tell the wrong people, it's demoralizing. You tell the wrong people, maybe it's a great plan. Maybe for you, maybe the dream for you right now and and what is so on the front of your mind is, I finally want to have a growing relationship with Christ. I'm sick of this this garbage lifestyle that I'm living. Yes, I'm of the redeemed of God, but I want to actually walk with God day to day to day. Not just Sunday to Sunday. I want to walk with God every day. And maybe, maybe that brings a level of conviction. The Holy Spirit's saying, you know what, this is really, this is the process for you. This is the dream for you. I want you to know, you have to even be careful who you tell that to. Because I, I could tell people in my life, whenever I went through and I, I, I explained the dream that God had given me, whenever I explained to them, and I said, I didn't bring the book up, but I said, hey, this is what's going on, and God's calling me into ministry, and I've told you before that I didn't grow up in church, it hit them like a ton of bricks and they threw the bricks back at me. That's reality. Be careful who you tell. Be careful who you tell. 
You want to make sure that you tell the right people because then it's those people who are going to push you and pull you in the direction of accomplishing that dream in your life. God has spoken truth into numerous people's lives, but they died on the door of disappointment because someone else spoke lies disguised as truth. And look at the bottom line of that. And we believe them. That even God given dreams, but yet we told the wrong person. And that the dream dies because we told the wrong person and we believed him. I would say in addition to to the first two things, that Joseph was getting a cold shoulder for his family, not only because it was the wrong time, not only because it was the wrong people, but he told them for the wrong reasons. It was almost a matter of boasting and saying, hey, check this out, guys. I'm going to rule and reign over you. That would be great news, wouldn't it? He says, I'm going to rule and reign over you, and you're actually going to bow down to me. How cool is this going to be for me? But they didn't understand it. They didn't get it. So his reasons for doing so were even tainted. God was with him, but yet in the way that he was living his life and sharing the God-given dream that, that he had been handed, and in the way that he delivered that was wrong. And it was detrimental. It was detrimental to the dream. We're going to see more about this in the next couple weeks. And really, the, the reason why he was sharing the dreams in the way that he was was fueled with pride. And let me tell you, when God wants to work out a dream in someone whose heart is bent toward his, Isaiah 42.8, this is an incredible scripture from the message translation. He says, I'm God, that's my name, and I don't franchise my glory. He says, when I, put a bir- when I birthed a vision in you, it's not just for you, it's for my glory. And he says, I just want you to know, this isn't a, this isn't a chain, uh, fast food chain restaurant. You're not buying into the franchise on this one. You're not getting, this isn't the Golden Arches. You're not getting any credit. We're not sending you to mixed school. You're not going to be making Big Macs. This is not about you. He says, right now, he says, I am God. That's my name. And I don't franchise my glory. So when God accomplishes a dream in us, who does the glory go to? We deflect that glory to God. When you have a talent in your life, and when Joseph was handed this talent, incredible talent, and, and de- being able to have these dreams, what he should have done is, hey, this is an incredible dream that God has given me. Check this out. But he told the wrong people at the wrong time for the wrong reason. And for us to be effective... There has to be a point at which our desires get swallowed up in the desire to see Him glorified. There has to be a point of that or else you will not be effective. You won't be effective in your walk with Christ. You won't be able to, you won't be able to do the things in life that God wants you to do. You won't be able to be free of the things in life that hold you back unless you, you put this into your life practice because this is a reality. To be effective, there has to be a point that your desires get swallowed up by His. I hope that's true for you today. I hope that it is. But make no mistake that God wants to do a work in you today. He wants to accomplish something in you today bigger than yourself. You may be sitting here saying, you know what? 
I don't, I, I'm, just, I'm just like stepping into this whole faith thing. I don't really know what that means. I want to encourage you that everybody else that's in this room has been there too. And if you, if you seek after him and, you, and you, you put your life in his hands, fully put your life in his hands, he will lead you and he will direct the paths of your life. I believe it to be true. But I also believe it to be true that he doesn't just do it for you. He's doing all that to redeem the lost world around you. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for your love, your goodness. We thank you that that you don't franchise your glory and that you are God, that you have so, so made that visible in our lives, that you are God. So all glory should be to you. Lord, I pray for the person in this room who is, who is struggling financially, whether it's they, a mess that they've caused or somebody else's caused. Lord, I pray that you would just allow them to see the dream of not being held captive and held in bondage for that, Lord, that you would just, they would allow to be free and that you would let that dream come a reality. I pray, Father, for the person who's, they're thinking about about retirement, whether it's early retirement or actual retirement, Lord, that you would just, if that is something that you really have birthed in them, that you would just allow them to take the necessary steps and give them grace as they take the necessary steps to accomplishing that dream. Pray, Father, for the the person who is maybe a stay-at-home mom and they're thinking, you know what, I don't even know how that, that this is going to happen. I don't know how we can do it financially. I don't know how we can hold on to this. God, if it's a dream that you've birthed in them, I pray that you would just allow them to see it come to fruition. And God, as a church, I pray that we would just see the dream that you've put before the leadership here of just to see people in our community come into a growing relationship with you. And that we would be a relevant ministry to people that are hurting right here in our city and in our county. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.